Okay, Erev Tov, we continue in the Moran of Uchim, we're on Perak Memhei. We've been discussing the idea of Shema, the verb of to act, the act of hearing. And we said there's three translations for that, hearing, accepting, and knowing. So the third one, we're going to, we just started the third one, and that's where I want to continue, uh, because there's two parts to the third one. The third explanation of hearing is Hayidia, knowledge, Vahakora, and recognition. Such as Goy, Asherlotishma, Lashono, the nation that you cannot hear their language, which means you cannot understand their language. Pirish, Loteda Dvorov, you don't know what they're saying. Okay, he has a, basically that same thing. Now, here's where he splits hairs again. Whenever it says Shmia about Hashem, obviously. So now there's two nuances to this third pshat. If the meaning of the text means is contextual. The first of the two meanings in the third meaning, which is it's a it's an expression of apprehension. That's the third one we said. Such as, Vayishma Hashem. Meaning to say that Hashem was aware. Which one is that? Number 11. Midbor Yud Aleph Aleph. Which is 16. The Misonim who are complaining. Okay. They're complaining. Vayishma Hashem. Hashem heard, meaning Hashem was aware of what they were doing. He had knowledge of what they were doing. Or, again, when he heard their complaints, that's comprehension. He was aware. It's awareness. So there's nothing physical. It's not, it's not using an ear. He was aware of what they were doing. That's one meaning of the third meaning. If it's the second aspect of the third meaning, that's how I have to read it. He bitui al hayosi yisala ana letfilas hamaspel means what Hashem is hearing means he responds. Hashem chooses to respond to the person olo ana letfilaso or is not responding to his tefila. So it's also awareness. Obviously, Hashem's aware of the barrier. But I'm aware, and therefore I'll act on it, or I won't act on it. That's what means I'm, Hashem is listening. So He's aware, but I can be aware, and then I'll I'll do something. I'll list, I'll respond, or I'll listen. I'll be aware to one, and I'm not going to respond. So that's the second one. And for example, Shemoa Eshma Tzaakaso. So we have uh, in uh, 18. If you uh, are um, uh, causing trouble to the to the orphan and the widow, and if they scream out to me, I will hear their screaming. What does that mean? I'll be aware of their screaming. And I'll respond to their screaming. Veshomati, I will listen. Kichanun oni. That's in uh, nineteen. When you take someone's clothing and you don't give it back, <coughs> right? So I will listen, for I am compassion. I will respond. Hashem, incline your ear and listen and respond. Or, Hashem will not listen. That means I will, I'm aware, but I'm not responding to you. 
Gam ki tarbu tefila in ena shomer. If you're gonna dive in a long time, I'm not gonna listen. I'm not gonna listen. Of course, he's aware, but it's like he's making it like he's not aware. What's the benan? I'm not responding. Avos Hashem's aware, but when I'm aware, usually when you're aware of something, you're gonna do something normally. So either I'm going. So that's that's why it's the third, but it's two nuances within the third. Or kienenu shemayoscha. Ve'el around this money like this. Okay. So he's taking care of these things. Now he says, is setting us up for the next chapter. V'yavuacha, I will bring for you mina mushalos v'hadomos. I'll bring you more metaphors and more similes. Halal like this. Which will satisfy your thirst, will clarify your doubts. I'll explain all of them. That you'll have no doubt in anything that I'm telling you. And if you um, look at the last source on this page, it says like this the Abarbanel says, that real anthropomorphic terms that have not yet been addressed by the Rambam will be addressed. Now take a look at the next one below, what he's going to talk about in chapters 46 and 49 and see if you can notice a subtle difference. He's going to talk about the hand, the ear, the finger, the palm, the mouth, the arm, the right hand, the lips, the voice, the tongue, the nose, the intestines, and the smell, and eyelids. Okay, so he does mention the ear later. You see, we're listening here. He's doing the ear later. Now the question is, what is? Why is he breaking it now? It seems he's went through a number of anthropomorphic terms. He now finishes this. Memvav is going to be a, a a break, so to speak, and then we'll continue to talk about all these other ten. What is the subtle difference between everything we've learned until now and these that are coming up? And the basic answer is as follows. He's, he's more active. Uh, the other ones so far are more passive. Like you, well, you, see, you don't control your sight. It comes well, to you. He did, you don't control your ear. You know, like you, or, yeah. Well, he did the foot. That's what face. It's more, okay. It's more. So he, here, here's the answer. There are... Um, First of all, these are a bit more corporeal. But here's the point. Until now, the Ram has said that these words, you know, um, what's the word? They're equivocal words. Where it could mean this, but it can also mean this, and has nothing to do with anthropomorphic terms. These next ones, you can't equivocate. In other words, lips are lips finished. There's no other explanation. There's not, well, maybe it means awareness or this and that. <coughs> a tongue is a tongue. I don't know, something smells here. No, well, that, <laughs> right? But, but, it, but it's clear, these are more, it, this is mamish. Uh, these are for sure anthropomorphic terms. The others were saying, no, it's, it's, it's a, it, even without Hashem, there's other ways of explaining it. These, there's no other way. So you're really stuck. So we're not going to be able to use the bay, and, and how do we know that? Because Torah doesn't use it in other senses for that. So that's why we're sort of stuck, so to speak. That as much as we're able to say, well, there's many uh, definitions. Even we're not talking about God awareness. So we went from awareness, desire, 
things like that. It doesn't have to mean a physical. Even for people, it's not a physical thing. So what is the problem with Hashem? So that's step one, which is true. But it gets a certain ones, you just can't, you can't fake it anymore. Even like we said, the eye, the eye is a central um, thing of hashkocha, right? I, you know, I'm keeping an eye on things. So well, even, a, even, a wellspring. even a human being is saying, I keep an eye on things. It's a wellspring. Okay, so I can say Hashem is keeping an eye on things. It's not anything unique. But the other ones, there's no other way to translate it but that word. So there's no other way to translate the word. Now we got a problem. And this is what's going to need a major introduction in chapter 46. Now, let's just refresh our memories a little bit because he's telling us to refresh our memories. If you look in the first word of the next chapter, 46, the first line, he says, Kfarhiskarnu. I already explained in one of these chapters earlier, which is 33. And he says, There's a big difference to guide us in knowing that something exists. There's a big difference showing that something exists as opposed to investigating the true reality of something, which he'll get to, he's going to explain a lot. But let me just review a few ideas that the Ramam has already said. First is the concept Ramam said, Dibra Torah Koloshim Bnei Torah speaks in the way of people. Now why do we do that? So in chapter 33, he, he went to a great extent, he gave the famous analogy of giving an infant easy to digest foods, right? So too with the nutrition of the mind, you have to give people easy concepts first and you don't give them difficult concepts, especially when we're talking about explaining God to simple people. And therefore, that was one big line. Hashem, we speak like the way of people, where they're at, what they can digest. That's point number one. Now, what is going to happen in this chapter specifically is the epistemology, I hope I said the word right, epistemology, which is the study of how people cognize things. That's such a word. Epistemology. How do people come to understand things? And in other words, how do typical human beings develop an understanding of anything? And specifically, Hashem. And what he's going to say is, that in the beginning we have to use external things that people understand and then we can take things a little deeper. <clears throat> when we're novice in digesting the understanding of God, we got to give you baby food with baby understandings. And again, it's not that it's wrong, but it's from what you're, where you're coming from, that's what you can understand. Is that really, really the truth? No. Is it a lie? It's not a lie either. It's a metaphor. It's a simile. Whatever. Okay? And there's a reason why we have to do that. Because as he said, if you eat too much too fast, you're going to get lost. It's going to be terrible. Now, what the Rambam now is discussing, and this is going to be the next point over here, and this is where we will see in the next sheet that I'm going to give you shortly, I hope. Again, we mentioned it once, but we're going to do it inside this time. There's the Rambam and the Kuzari. When the Rambam says there's a difference between knowing about something ex- that something exists 
versus knowing the reality of something. It's a big difference. Now, what, where do you need more brains? To know that something exists or to know the essence of something that exists? The essence. Okay, he's going to give a beautiful marshal, and then he's going to apply that to Hashem. He's going to say, listen, there's one way we can prove that God exists. We could do that. And you know that a God exists. But that's still not telling you the essence of Hashem, as much as humans can understand. Remember, we can't know the ultimate essence we can't understand. But just to know that God exists is nice, but you can't compare God existing to what God is. And you're going to say, why do I need to know that? And this is the sharp break between the Kuzari and the Rama. The Rambam is saying, if you want to have Tveikas to Hashem, you have to more than know that God exists, but you have to understand the essential nature of Hashem vis-a-vis in how we can relate to it. Again, you, you, you get married to somebody, you, you, you get married, you find a woman, you exist. I'm a man, you're a woman, let's get married, you exist. Not gonna work so good. You gotta know a little bit of the essence of that person. Yeah, she exists. She's a female. Mechanically, it works. A female and a male. Okay, mechanically, it works. But there's more to it. Than but uh, but man, I don't I don't feel any closeness to her <laughs> because the essence of that person is nothing that's compatible with you. Right. Guess what? We're in the image of Hashem, so by definition, <coughs> Hashem's essence and our essence are compatible. The only problem is we don't know what what Hashem is, right. and if we don't feel that compatibility. It's easy to know that Hashem exists, but it's not easy to cleave to a being that you know exists, but you don't understand what it's all about. And that's where the Rambam differs uh, sharply. So what the Rambam is going to do right now is to give an example of how you can know that something exists. And we're going to have two terms. These are philosophical terms, but they're emistic terms, what we call intrinsic characteristics and non-intrinsic or essential characteristics versus non-essential. You can know something exists via its non-essential characteristics. But if you want to know its essence, then you must know its essential characteristics. This is the idea that he's going to bring forth. So let's start and, and the first part. So how is it there's, you can't compare knowing the existence of something as opposed to its reality. And this is how it goes. If you want to have some guidance in understanding that something exists, you don't need that much information. It can happen even if you have just these three criteria <coughs> coming up. Criteria number one is through the means of, he used the word accidents. What he means by accidents here is not like the world just came by accident. It's like incidental. It means non-intrinsic, non-essential. He'll explain all these in a minute. You can know something exists by its non-essential characteristics. Even its behavior. Even things that are very far away in relation to us. But he has a relationship with others and affected by them. So he gives an example. Very good example. Hamashabuzet. 
in Ratzisa Lahodia Melech Shall Eris Mesiemis Lechabi Arzashaniato. If you want to inform somebody who has no idea that there's a king in this country, he can prove to you that the king exists. Okay, let's say uh, this guy comes and he says, Who's the Prime Minister character? I don't know. Well, it's it's Trudeau. I never saw him. I don't believe he exists. Well, there's an easy way to prove that Trudeau exists, even though you're never going to see him. Let's see. First of all, there's many ways to prove that Trudeau exists. Okay, number one. Ma'am, Shetomer, Hua Adam, Ha'aruch, Asher Ma'eru Lavan, Vesevus Arkabo. This is a tall guy. He has uh, white skin and he has gray hair, and or even that you may even have a picture of him. Well, that's a pretty good proof that he exists. So that Nimtza Shodosah Bimikrov, that's accidental. What does that mean, accidental? If you're tall or short, that doesn't mean anything, it doesn't define who you are. Red hair, black hair. Now, it helps us identify who the person is, but it doesn't identify his essence. That's what we call an accident. That's, that's the way it was. He's he was tall. That's the genes. That's not his essence. Number two, There's a man, you can't see him, but look, look at all the soldiers. Look at all the riders on horse. Look at all the swords outstretched. Look at all the trumpets blowing. There's flags all over the place. Right? And more than that, look, there's a palace in the city. And he told us to build this wall. He told us to do make this bridge. So these are the behaviors that he does. Where do you think the bridge came from? Who do you think needs the palace? There's a king of that. Why do you think there's guards at the palace? What are we guarding? Right, so that's another proof the king exists, but you don't have the essence of the king. Why do we say a king has to be good looking? He doesn't. He can be bad good looking. That's the Rambam. Don't give me the Hilchus Rambam. We're just talking about if you want to just give me a marshal. Stam marshal. Okay. Don't cook, don't mix no, halacha. Saying, I mean, you're saying that's it's, a, it's not the essence. I mean, it's not the essence, but that's a that's a that's a side point. Okay. That's a side point. Well, because you know why? Because people unfortunately only respect things that are superficial. Exactly. But that's not the essence of the king. And people have to respect the position of the king, not the king himself. That's why he has to be good looking for Allah because the externals are a way we can recognize him. It's hard for us to know the internals. We're never going to speak to the king. Number three is the interactions that happen. Sometimes it's much more subtle things. For example, <coughs> if you're going to say, does this country have a king? You'll say, I can prove it to you. Yes, without a doubt. Okay, prove it to me. Umar al-Kah, it's talking like this. Let's say you have a money changer. Guy works, a money changer. Shulchani You see this money changer over here. Adam Khalush, he's weak. Balguv Katna, short guy. Ulafana, Hakamasa, Gedola, has He's got thousands of coins sitting up front on the table. 
Okay, got this picture in your mind? Yeah. Another guy comes. I said, Bal Haguf Agoro, big man. Six foot five, three hundred and twenty-five pounds, middle linebacker. Vachosok, and he's poor, and he's strong. Honey, but he's poor. Only the funnels, and a big burly guy comes to the money changer. Mavakish, she is very low, Gary. Can you spare me a little dime for for a cup of coffee, sir? Oh, his coffee was a dime then. Velo Nasan, and the little scraggy says, "No, you." And he starts saying some nice things about the guy. Vavgorbo, he screams at him. Vidachovir, push away with the words. Now, if there's no king in the country, if there's no law and order in the country, you tell me the next step of the story. He beats the crap out of him and takes his money. Right. How come the guy says, now this is before wokeism. Yeah, before wokeism. Rambam wrote this now. We're not talking about today. Today this would be a terrible example. If anything, we throw the we throw the, uh, the, the 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 money changer in jail. But normally, what would happen if the big guy would do anything to the small guy? He'd be arrested. He'd be arrested, and he'd rot the rest of his life. If it wasn't for the fear of the king, the big guy would kill him. Oh, push him away. They take his money away from him. That's a proof. There's a king in this country. You're able to prove his existence. By the way the country is set up and the fear that is there in the country from the king and afraid of getting punished. But all three examples. Okay, here. I got a picture of him. Here. Here's a picture of him. Number one. Number two, I can tell you that uh, people, all his surroundings. Look, he's in a palace. This isn't it. And look, people are keeping the laws. So what does that prove to you? It tells me who he is. But But it doesn't teach us what he is. His essence. Is he a kind person? Does he care about the people? Is he really a public servant or is a public dictator? Those, his temperament, that you do not know. Okay. And therefore, he's going to say, and this is exactly the way Hashem is described to certain people. Certain people don't have more brains than that. Now, just to finish up, and wrap up just another two, three minutes if you don't mind. And if you do mind, we'll do it anyway. This is the Kuzari, first essay. The rabbi with the king of Khazar. He wants evidence. Can you prove to me there's a God? He says, let us say you were told that we have evidence that the king of India is a benevolent man worthy of praise and honor. The proof of this is in the fact that the subjects of the kingdom are all righteous, kind, and upstanding. Would you believe this attestation about the conduct of the king and feel compelled to praise him? Kuzari replied, why should I? Who could tell? Maybe the Indians are righteous without a king at all. Maybe they're righteous because of their king or maybe it's a combination of both. That's not a proof. What would you say? The rabbi said, now let us say Indian messengers bringing you special Indian gifts. 
you have irrefutable evidence that they could only have come from the king's palace and they're accompanied by letters clearly bearing the king's distinguished seal and handwriting. Along with the letters are medicines that can cure you of all your maladies and preserve your health. Also included are poisons and chemicals you can use against enemies. And they're so powerful you can fight whole battles using just this chemical arsenal without any other weapons. Would you not feel obliged to divert your attention and pledge your allegiance to this king? Absolutely. My initial doubt as to whether or not the Indians even have a king would be removed. And I would also believe that this king and his interests are of benefit to thee. Now, if someone asked your opinion about this king, what would you say? I would start with praises that describe what I know about the king based on the evidence of his gifts. And then I would add additional praises based on what I've heard about him that were confirmed through these gifts. The rabbi said, this is exactly the way I responded to you when you first made your inquiry. This is also how Moshe first spoke with Paro when he told him that the God of the Hebrews had sent him. Moshe referred to God as the God of Avram, Yitzhak, and Yaakov because it was well known amongst the nations at that time that God had communicated with these men, guided them, and performed miracles for them. Note that Moshe did not say that the God of heaven and earth had sent him, nor did he refer to him as he who created us all. Similarly, when God first spoke to the Jewish people at Mount Sinai, he declared, I am the Lord your God who took you out of Egypt, but not I am the creator of the universe and your creator. This is how I started to respond when you asked me about my faith. I answered what I and the rest of the Jewish people are obliged to believe based on our first-hand encounter with God at Mount Sinai. We have passed down this account without interruption of generation, and so even today, it is as if we were eyewitnesses to this event. Now look at footnote one, the parable. Why did they list the three things the good king did? What could he do? One, he can heal your sickness. Two, he can receive your health. Three, he can ward off your enemies. This corresponds to three consecutive psukim in Perkhaf Gimel and Sefer Shmos, where Hashem says how he'll help the Jewish people. He says, and you shall serve the Lord your God, and he shall bless your bread and water. I shall remove sicknesses from your midst. There'll be no woman who miscarries or is barren. I'll make the number of your days complete. I will let the dread of me go before you and will confound all nations that you encounter. I will cause all your enemies to turn and retreat. Is that a good proof? Now, all these proofs, these are proofs about what? That God exists. Because it tells about the nature of God. No. The essence of God. And for the Kuzari, this is enough. You don't have to go anymore. The Kuzari predated the Moranavuchan by about 60 years. Okay? So he said, that's enough. A Jew, if you just know that Hashem exists, He's good, He's kind, and all this stuff, you don't have to know His essence at all. The Rambam, and that's what the Rambam basically said up to here. Rambam is saying, yeah, that's what the Kuzari says. There's a big difference in that. And if you got a mind, you should use it, because he doesn't see how the Kuzari can tell you you have Tvekus. That's the next step. So now he's going to get into the limited understanding of people, and that will lead us into why God uses these anthropomorphic terms that cannot equivocate to be something that means something else. And still we use it for Hashem. That's going to be tomorrow, Mir Tzashem. Thank you for giving me an extra six minutes. Whoa.